turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Well, a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you. And you know, as we celebrate this wonderful time of the year and particularly focus on the true reason for the season, a lot of us begin to think about what's coming in the new year, focusing on 2020, thinking about many of the things, the habits that you'd like to change. We call them New Year's resolutions, although probably few of us, if we make them, ever really keep them. What are your New Year's resolutions? Maybe to lose weight, save money, find a new job? How about the New Year's resolution that you can use to start now, focusing on better health? Joining me in studio with this edition of Healing Habits Now, Dr. John Duong of the Holistic Health Center. Dr. Duong, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to you. And let's talk about this, the notion that people like to set New Year's resolutions and focus on all the changes they're going to make in the coming year, and sadly, usually long about... January the 2nd, most of that sort of gets set by the wayside. But the issue of new health in a new year is maybe one that we should really, for the first time, take seriously. And as you suggest, rather than waiting to do it to the first of the year, to begin those healing habits now. Before we say that, I want to say Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to my patients, the KFAX listeners, and my future patients that want to seek to live a better quality of life. Happy New Year's, Merry Christmas. Just to answer your question is that actions, when you feel the right moment, you have to do it now. It's all about the heart. Any pain, any health conditions, the solution is inside your body. When you cannot get the resolutions, it's because they, they always procrastinate. It's always tomorrow. Tomorrow is always better than today. So that's not taking the responsibility. So what we need to do is that always listen to your heart. If your heart saying that, I want my pain to be better. I want my health to be better so I can serve God. Okay, so if that is the, the message, you need to take actions. So now you can activate the bodies so the body can heal from within. How much of this is a a heart set, and a mindset. And I ask that question because whether we're talking about people that are suffering from type 2 adult onset diabetes, maybe they've got problems with arthritis, lower back pain, neck pain, maybe a work or sports-related injury that plagues them, so often the attitude is, well, getting better, that's all up to the doctor. The doctor's in charge of that. I'm just the recipient here. Is that an erroneous way of thinking? That's the old model. The doctors will take care of you. In reality, it's not healing that way. Just look at the history. Like, for example, like if people have diabetes, the more that you're trying to lower down your blood sugar with uh, medications, you seems that you're taking one medication after another medications and another medications to lower down the blood sugar. But in reality, is it an insulin resistant that we need to find out? So, the medications is. Lowing down the sh- blood sugars, true. 
but it doesn't fix the problem. The problem is the health conditions that you have. So what we need to do is that we need to help the body to heal from within. So what's wrong with my body? Why is my sugar high? Is it insulin resistant? What is the underlying reason for that insulin resistant? Do I lack of exercise? Do I have a diet issue? Or is it my mindset that I cannot control my eating habits? The first thing is that we all have to do is that don't point the finger elsewhere. Point the fingers towards our body because that's the treasure that God gave us. The treasure is us. The problem is us that's creating it. So you point the fingers to your body, and now you admit that you have an issue. Now you are willing to change so that now you can make the appropriate changes, take the appropriate actions, get the right coaching, find out the right doctors to assist you, to guide you, so now your body can heal from within. It is your responsibility to fix any chronic pain or any health challenge, any disease that you have. Your body can heal from within. Many people listening right now who are dealing with age-related sickness, disease, be it obesity, be it chronic back pain, we mentioned earlier about diabetes. The list goes on and on. Arthritis is certainly part of that list. Oftentimes, patients will say, I've gone to see a doctor. The doctor seems to be focused on not relieving the pain at the source, but rather simply masking the pain by providing medication, pain pills. I have a bad knee. They want to give me an injection. All of the focus seems to be on suppressing pain as opposed to getting to the source of the pain and addressing that source. Are you then suggesting, Dr. Duong, that what we really need to do is to change our attitude and our approach when it comes to better health? You have to change your attitude. It's the heart, the mind, right? It's the heart and mind. You need to change that. And then also you have to take action to make the appropriate changes so that you can heal. For example, I said that in your show earlier, if, you, if people haven't listened to the show, they can always go to KFAX and type in my name, Dr. John Duong healing habits. So the previous one I said about low back is what are the causes of this herniation, low back pain, the severe, I'm talking about severe and low back pain, this herniations, bulging disc, arthritis. I said there's two reasons that is leading to degenerative disc, herniated disc, is the loading force and inflammatory process. So what we need to do is that we need to find out the, the reason why there's a loading force that's continue wear and tear the disc down. That's why you have those issues. Another thing is the inflammatory process. It's your digestive system or your internal organs that's creating the inflammations. Even your thoughts can create inflammations. So we need to find out all the above, like the physical loading force, the inflammatory process, from their internal system, your mindset. So now we need to make all those appropriate changes to help to fix the low back. And we can share with any health conditions, any like diabetes, thyroid, rheumatoid arthritis, psoriasis. For example, the show that we did previously is rheumatoid arthritis and psoriasis. What is all the autoimmunity is the process that is about the inflammatory process. So we need to understand what are the triggers of causing the inflammatory process that lead into this pain condition or health conditions that the persons have? So we need to go back to the basic. It's to 
fix the human frame, which is the structures, fixing what is the cause of the inflammatory process, what's the cause of the, our internal system not functioning the way it should be. There's testing that can be done, genetic testing, blood testing, stool testing. So that's three. And then also go back to the hope. The hope is the healing from within the system. I told my patient this. The healing is not everywhere, anywhere. It's inside you. You need to open your heart so that you can heal. The healing is inside you. God gives you the power to heal. The healing is inside you already. You need to open it up so your body can heal so that you can live a better quality life. I keep saying that, but a lot of people doesn't understand it. The healing is inside you already. This time of year, of course, as I mentioned, we typically focus on New Year's resolutions, the things that we'd like to change for ourselves in the coming new year. What are your recommendations, doctor, in terms of beginning to develop those healing habits now? The first thing that we always have is cheerful heart. If you decide to come uh, to get assistance from me or not, but always keep a cheerful heart because cheerful heart is the best medicine. I coach my patients you have to have a cheerful heart. Count your blessing one by one. Why? Because that's gratitude. When you count your blessing, you are, you are filled with gratitude in your mind, in your system. The most important thing is feeling. Heart gives you the feeling. When you have the right feeling, you will have a cheerful heart. That's the best medicine that you can take. So my recommendation is count your blessing, have a cheerful heart live the life. To start the new year out on the right foot with the right attitude, why not consider a healthier life today? Call the Holistic Health Center at area code 510-818-1668 and schedule your appointment. That's 510-818-1668 or go online to healinghabitsnow.com. That's healinghabitsnow.com. Doctor, certainly we hope and pray that people will Develop the mindset, as you're suggesting, that begins to focus on better health, better living, and hopefully be able to put their debilitating pain behind them and enjoy the kind of life that God intended for them to enjoy. Exactly. The healing is inside. And if people miss any of the show that we have, they can always search us on KFAX, KFAX and Healing Habits or Dr. John Duong. And again, to schedule your appointment, call area code 510-818-1668. That's 510-818-1668 or online at healinghabitsnow.com. That's healinghabitsnow.com. So whether you're suffering from neck, shoulder, upper back, lower back pain, knee pain, arthritis in the joints and hips, or other autoimmune diseases and their accompanying pain, why not call today and find out how developing healing habits in your life can literally lead you to a life free from pain? At the present moment, Dr. Duong is offering a very special offer for our listeners. It's a special consultation, a $287 value for just $47. That's right. You heard me correctly. Dr. Duong offering a $47 consultation valued at $287 for the first eight callers who qualify. Right now, pick up the phone and call 510-818-1668. That's 510-818-1668. Or go online to drduonglive.com. That's drduonglive.com. Or call 510 510- 
818-618-1668. And this is really an amazing offer, doctor, for the first eight callers to come in for a complete checkup, consultation, an opportunity to really get an understanding as to what is underlying this pain, the debilitating lifestyle, and then hopefully get to that root cause and get people back on the road to good health and healing habits. The healing habit work on the basic. You have to work on the basic so that you can create a habit so you can get rid of this pain and enjoy life. So get on the road to good health today. Call 510-818-1668. Be one of the first eight callers to qualify, and you'll receive this $47 consultation, a $287 value for just $47. 510-818-1668 or online at drduonglive.com. That's drduonglive.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. I had a friend when I was growing up in... Um, high school days and was involved with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And this guy was a great believer, really had a heart for the Lord, uh, was found faithfully in church on every Sunday, uh, had a voracious uh, desire and appetite for the Word. Every time there was a prayer opportunity, a prayer meeting, something of that sort, he was there. He was just one of those really faithful guys. And yet, in the entire time that I knew him, I recognized that this guy dealt with a degree of shame. Now, in his case, the shame wasn't necessarily because of anything that he had done or failed to do, but you see, he came from a household where his mother had died years before when he was younger, leaving the surviving parent, his father, with himself, a younger brother, a younger sister. Uh, Dad was kind of a rough-and-tumble kind of character, uh, had been a truck driver, inconsistent when it came to work, so... The house wasn't in a very nice neighborhood. The lawns were never well kept. The house was never well maintained. The kids were never well dressed nor never well fed. Though they were all decent human beings, there always seemed to be kind of this cloud of shame that this friend of mine carried, even as a believer, uh, because he couldn't invite people over to his home. He felt embarrassed at times because his father, being kind of the rough-and-tumble guy, would use uh, foul language and things of that sort, so there was a degree of embarrassment. And um, I always wondered, boy, well, what kind of a cross is that for us to bear as believers when sometimes we deal with the the pain of worthlessness or rejection or just downright shame? Well, my guest tonight has written a book that tackles this very issue uh, down through the years, he's authored quite a number of best-selling books, uh, including When People Are Big and God is Small, Addictions, A Banquet in the Grave, Depression, Stubborn Darkness, many others, including his latest book entitled simply Shame Interrupted, How God Lifts the Pain of Worthlessness and Rejection. And Ed Welsh, great to have you on the program tonight. Craig, yeah, great to be with you, too. I really, uh, really enjoy thinking about this particular topic, and um, I'm looking forward to our time together. You mentioned to our listeners that you are a licensed uh, psychologist and faculty member of the um, Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation, a highly respected organization, and you've, you've tackled an issue here that kind of 
kind of rides down below the surface, I think, in the lives of a lot of believers for different reasons. Now, I shared at my opening remarks the, the shame, the sense of shame that this friend of mine had for so long, that sent, that kind of foreboding sense of, 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 of guilt about this and never knowing quite what to do. I mean, is this something that we need to maybe right out the gate differentiate between guilt and shame or the sense that we'll get under some some circumstances of conviction of the Holy Spirit? Kind of delineate that for us, if yeah, you would. I, I think that's an important one, but let me go, let me go back a little bit. You're, you're, you're wrestling with the question, how, how big is this issue? And, and if we go to Scripture, it, it's, it seems to advertise shame is, in, in many ways, the, the premier human struggle. You know, so, you know, you have Genesis. They were naked and without shame. Well, that's just... You know, it's like a it's like a, the, the story being given away right at the beginning, where you know it's setting us up to see okay. Then they were naked and with shame, and and really the entire Bible becomes a, a, a wrestling with this question: What do I do with this sense of shame? So I, I think you're you're saying something very very important at the outset with your illustration. Well, here's a guy who was struggling with it, but if if Scripture is true. What we'd expect is that we're going to find we're going to find touches of this in every single person, and, and some of those words you use to describe shame, they boy, I would imagine just about every American would say them. I feel like a failure sometimes. I feel worthless. Who hasn't who hasn't said that? Um, I feel unlovable. Uh, and but here's here's the sort of the twist that shame gives unlovable. Uh, I'm unlovable, but other people aren't. You know, other people are lovable. But I'm not lovable. There's something, there's something especially not quite right about me. That's, mm. un, it's under those experiences that we find this this thing that Scripture calls shame. And as you point out, this is something that we really have struggled with since the beginning of mankind. I mean, we, we've got that illustration very early in the garden uh, with the creation of mankind. There he was. There she was in our in our uh, complete glory. Uh, there was never any sense of guilt or shame uh, until then, of course, uh, of the eating of the knowledge of the tree of, of good and evil. And suddenly, man in his nakedness went from that state of being without shame to suddenly burdened down with shame. And this is something that, of course, is, has followed us to one degree or another ever since. And and if we, if we follow the, the storyline in those first chapters of Genesis, we find this, this very concise picture of shame, and it seems to revolve around a triad of three things. Well, first of all, you feel naked, obviously. You, you feel exposed. You feel like you are being seen. Somebody, others can see you, and you're not quite right. That would be one experience of it. You just feel exposed. Uh, a second is, and you, you find this in the Genesis story, you feel like an outcast. You feel like you don't belong anymore. And I would say that that's, in many ways, that's really the key experience. There's something about you that you don't fit in. And I can remember one, uh, this, this, this moment I had in high school where, of course, I, like everybody else in high school, felt like I never fit in. But then I'd have these conversations with my friends, and I found these guys who were, you know, you know great guys who, who just seemed like they had everything. They didn't feel like they fit in. You know, you begin to realize, does anybody feel like they belong? And... It's an elusive human experience. The other part of the experience is you feel unclean. There's something dirty about you. And, and Craig, I think that's where that link between guilt and shame can get a little fuzzy. 
where, okay, you feel dirty, you feel bad. Well, I think, I think many of us have this instinct that if we feel bad, it means we've done something bad, we've done something wrong, and, and we, we tend to look for something to confess. And, and certainly shame can occasionally be because we have done something we feel like is so wrong. It's, it's a different kind of sin or a different kind of wrong than other people have committed. And so there's that sense we, well, for example, I... I uh, drove to work today, and I expect if today wasn't like any other day, I rolled through a stop sign or two. And, and is that breaking the law? And no, I'm not trying to say I'm proud of it, but but I'm willing to acknowledge it because I'm I'm thinking, I'm hoping <laughs> that that you rolled through a stop sign today too, and and, and so you're you're shaking your head and say, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I know I know what you're talking about. But there, there are other kinds of wrongs that we could talk about where nobody's shaking their head. They're just sort of looking at us. So occasionally, the, the bad that we feel is a result of, of what we've done. We just feel like what we've done is very different and, and more disgraceful than anything anybody else has done. The, other, the larger part of shame, which you've already spoken about, is, is we feel bad, we feel unclean, but it's it, you can you can confess all day and it's not going to make any difference. Um, it's because we are associated with things or people that have done unclean things to us, and and certainly you know you you've mentioned one just associations with poverty and not having anything. Well, there's the literal sense of feeling worthless and not fitting in. The the other illustrations that that probably most of us would immediately think of would be some kind of sexual violation where. You have been, it's not what you've done. You feel, obviously, you feel dirty, but you can't confess that dirtiness because it's a dirtiness that somebody else has thrown on you. Or somebody who's been divorced, um, the same thing. If they were on the bad end of, the, of divorce where, where the spouse left them, there, there's a sense that there's something wrong with me. There's something bad about me. And it's not because of what they've done. It's because of what has been done to them. So, so shame really is the much larger struggle if, uh, than guilt. Guilt can be one part of shame, but shame is a much, much wider experience. Tackling the topic today as we're joined by best-selling author Edward Welsh, a look at shame interrupted, how God lifts the pain of worthlessness and rejection. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of the conversation as this edition of Lifeline continues. <laughs> And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And we're visiting today with best-selling author Ed Welsh. He is a licensed psychologist and faculty member at the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. And uh, amongst the number of titles that he's written down through the years, his latest, Shame Interrupted, How God Lifts the Pain of Worthlessness and Rejection. Let's um, maybe kind of dive a little bit deeper into this topic, Ed, as we help folks understand sometimes the difference between what maybe can be good shame in letting us know, and maybe I'm not using the right phraseology here, but letting us know that there's something amiss in our lives that we need to address versus the kind of shame that's kind of brought upon us typically by circumstances that oftentimes are either outside of our control or, or, or had nothing to do with our own actions. Um, that's a great question. Uh, I guess I guess I tend to think about it this way. I think of of guilt has a bit more benefit than shame. <laughs> where where guilt, you know, our conscience can remind us, hey, I did wrong, and it's time for confession. 
shame is it, it tends to be much more renegade and and i i I don't find really that often in Scripture. Occasionally you find it, um, but but very infrequently do you find in Scripture the encouragement for people to experience shame. There were times where Israel was just completely hard-hearted, and and, and the Lord essentially says, "Shame on you! Uh, you you have you have no shame anymore." But but when 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 I see the Lord dealing with individual people, especially when we race up to the New Testament and see Jesus in action, all we see is just this incredible compassion. For those who wrestle with shame, so, so I, I think the scripture is much more interested in that question. Okay, here's this, here's this soul deadening struggle that human beings can have. What is the way through it? Working through that is is a process, isn't it? And it's a process that can be different for everybody. And and I would imagine a lot of it comes down to. Flipping the the perspective, in other words, oftentimes that shame is based on how we perceive others and how they perceive us. Do we then have to kind of move beyond that to begin to see the way God perceives us? Yeah, boy, absolutely. I, I think you, you just you just hit hit on something very important that 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 I, you know I want to learn of these things as we're speaking as well. And and as, as we understand the way God works. It's not, oh, oh, all of a sudden, in a half hour, we're going to be free of shame. It's, it's what, we're, you know, what we're looking for is just maybe just a little glimmer, you know, just something that, 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 that approximates hope, okay? and just something that surprises us a little bit, where we say, oh, I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting our God, the holy God, to have this kind of concern for, for outcasts. That, that's what we're looking for, just in, a, in one sense to be intrigued by a God who doesn't, who doesn't conform to our expectations. And, and one of the things you said when you talked about the phone lines being down is, is probably relevant to right now, too, where in a sense what, what the Lord says, I think, is, is, is listen, okay? Just, just sit down and, and listen, and which is so unusual for that that's surprising in and of itself for people who wrestle with shame they feel like they have to do something they have to wash themselves more they have to they have to somehow be a fail a, a success before they're able to to be able to appear before God and other people but but what you have in scripture is a god who says listen listen to listen to stories of people who experience shame and watch watch my affection for them and and then story after story in Scripture, that's, that's what we receive. You know, what struck me so interesting, going back to my, my central example earlier on of this friend of mine who had grown up in, you know, less than ideal circumstances, I, I always took note of the fact, Ed, that here was someone who, because he was not a person of, of great wealth or of status, had a very easy time in showing a sense of compassion toward others. Uh, here was someone who would volunteer during the holidays at a soup kitchen to help feed the needy during Thanksgiving and giving and Christmas and so forth. Um, who, even though he had limited means, uh, was someone who tithed frequently, was was eager to do something to help somebody else mm. out who was in need. His his own life experience gave him the ability to see need in others, and yet. When he turned that mirror on himself, yep. he saw someone that was a loser, who was worthless, who didn't feel comfortable going to certain events because he couldn't dress as nice as the others. It's yeah, amazing how it, there was a degree it. to which the shame taught him things 
about others that enabled him to become more understanding, more caring, more compassionate, and yet, as much as it benefited him to a degree in that sense, mm-hmm. never benefited his own viewpoint of himself. But it's a, it's a good starting point, what you're saying, where, where, where people who struggle with shame, you know, it, maybe we could put it this way, an outcast can recognize other outcasts. Okay. They, they have keen eyes for other outcasts. And, and, and that seems to be the story of the New Testament, where here comes, here comes the king, and, and you know, he's, you know, his birth is announced with angels and prophecies. But, but if you're an outcast and you start reading through the very beginning of the New Testament, what you say is, hold it, here's I recognize this guy. Okay, he doesn't belong either. He's on the outs as well. Here's a per. I recognize him. Is it possible that he might even recognize me? And, and, and then the, the the greatest indignity. They go down to Egypt. It's you know, you know Egypt is just a horrifying thing for a Jew. That's you know that's where they were enslaved. And and so he spends a, a couple early years in Egypt. You know, episode after episode, you look at you look at the Messiah and. And, and an outcast is able to spot Jesus better than anybody else because he is like them. And then, then when you then when you watch his ministry take shape, it's it, it's the most peculiar thing. I mean, if you want to have a reputation, you go among the movers and the shakers and the influencers. And 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 Jesus was immediately on the outs, and he was on the outs with the movers and shakers because here you, know, you remember that original complaint. Hey. He can't be one of us because he eats with sinners mm-hmm. and and tax collectors. He he eats with people who are on the outs. He eats with the unclean, which makes him unclean himself. And and that was that was the original rap against Jesus that he associates himself with the outcasts. And and so you know to to use your friend as the illustration, what we're you know what we're doing is okay. You got it. You recognize another outcast. So watch him. Watch, you know, watch him walk through life. Now, now notice this. Do you see that that outcast, Jesus Christ, he makes a beeline toward you? Okay. And, and most people who really wrestle with shame is sort of their full-time job. They, they don't believe it. And, and I think, well, you know, the, the scripture goes on and says, well, let me tell you some more stories. And let me tell you some more stories. And let me tell you some more. But at some point... I think those who wrestle with shame, they, they're going to have to do something. So in, in a sense, the Lord says, hear the stories, just listen. And then he says, okay, now respond. And, and the response can be as simple as, amen. Okay, Lord, I believe. <laughs> I believe you even pursue me as an outcast. I believe that you, and here's, here's a term that Scripture uses, you turn your face to me. And when somebody turns their face to you, it's this, it's a sign that you belong to them. It's a sign of their pleasure and their goodwill toward you. At some point, those who wrestle with shame, they're going to have to not only hear these beautiful words, but they're going to have to say, yes, I believe them. I believe that they're words that, that, that the Lord says to me. We're so comfortable sometimes living in kind of that pain because it's something that's very familiar, that sense of worthlessness and inferiority or living with rejection, humiliation. Failure, and certainly a lot of people these days, in light of what's transpired in the economy, uh, people who have worked hard at their career um, and achieved a modicum of success, and then suddenly, because of no fault of their own, lost a job, lost a home, have not been able to regain employment, 
and they're walking around with that sense of shame. Let's talk about that angle when we come back. And turning about perspective on this topic, uh, seeing this as God sees us, seeing ourselves as God sees us. Shame interrupted. Best-selling author Edward Welch with us today. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of the conversation as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We've got best-selling author with us today, Ed Welsh. His latest book is called Shame Interrupted, How God Lifts the Pain of Worthlessness and Rejection. Got a number of best-selling books to his credit. He also serves as a licensed psychologist and faculty member at the notable Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. Been dealing with this topic, and you know, if you're someone who walks around, who lives with, who is an intimate of shame, that sense of rejection and worthlessness and weakness, humiliation, failure. And boy, certainly that, that sense of failure, I think, is something that so many people these days, Ed, in the wake of what's been going on with the economic decline, have really had to struggle with. What kind of advice, what kind of insight can you offer to somebody who's, who's walking around with that kind of shame, lost the job, lost the house, they feel like they're a failure at caring for their family, and yet what do they do? Uh, there's... There's nothing unique to this particular era in how we measure who we are by how much we make. And 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 I don't live in the Bay Area, but but I would think that it would be only be more obvious in in the Bay Area. There's nothing unique to that because I think you found the same thing in the New Testament. And because the you know the poor they were they were the ones who were literally were worthless. Um, and you know that's that's a you know, prominent way we measure our worth. What's our income? What's the status of our job? And and, and so I think there are, there are a couple of things that that Scripture does, well, that, that Jesus does. The the first thing is he says, hey, this is not a mirage. It's not simply you love money so much and you love your reputation. Uh, Jesus is is acknowledging that poverty and and financial difficulties are truly hard thing. And the hard things that, that 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 can be experienced shamefully before the community, and and then you keep your eyes open in the scripture, and and so here, Matthew chapter five, for example, it's you know one of one of the the early discourses that that we have from Jesus, and here's how it starts: <laughs> yeah, Blessed are the poor, mm. blessed are the poor. Now now that's not going to make people out of a job feel really you know real, real nice all of a sudden. But it, it, it should capture our attention just a little bit, <laughs> where once again, it's as, if, it's as if Jesus is aiming for the outcast and the shamed. That's, they are his people. And, and so, so it's very intentional that he starts out the Beatitudes by saying, blessed are the poor. He's, he's showing how things are not the way they seem, that those who are outcast. Are, those are the people of the living God. They are the ones who belong ultimately to the king. And, and what does he say? I think that's the one where he says, Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom mm-hmm. of heaven. And again, it's you know, like you said earlier, this is a process. Um, and, and nobody's going to go away saying, Oh, this is, okay, great, my shame is all done now, and I, I feel fine about not having work. It, it's, is one of the big um, wedges, though, that we need to address here is to understand that in this process, ultimately, um, without regard to what the source might be of our shame, sometimes it's controllable, a lot of times it isn't, to mm-hmm. ultimately understand that each and every one of us 
were bought with a price, and that there is much that can be said about that um, that ultimate and enormous Christ, uh, sacrifice that Christ paid for us, uh, so that in and through that sacrifice, that 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 enormous pearl of great price, as Scripture says. Uh, we can learn to, to, to see our identity as he sees our identity and be able to shed that sense of shame after a while? I, I think what we're saying is that we, we tend to think that the work of Christ on the cross is for forgiveness of sins in the narrowest sense. But, but you know, here's the problem. You go into the courtroom and, and the judge says you're, you're not guilty and you're forgiven. You leave the courtroom and you still feel disgusting. Well, you know, in some ways, the, the verdict doesn't make a whole lot of difference. You, feel, you still feel like a disgrace. I, I think what we're, what, we're, what we're moving toward is what happened at the cross is much bigger than we will ever, ever imagine. And, and in, in that forgiveness of sins, we have been given Christ himself. And, 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 we, and, and here's, shame is about associations. Are you associated with your poverty? Are you associated with the person who abused you? Uh, are you associated with your sins? Well, what, what Jesus does at the cross is he, is he snips all those old associations, and he says, you are, you are now associated with me. And, and so, you know, there's that, that wonderful passage in Peter, you are chosen. This is, these are all words specifically to those who wrestle with shame. A chosen people, you're chosen, okay? A royal priesthood, you're rich. Uh, a holy nation, you're, 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 you're even more than clean, you're holy. And then that, that, that thing that Peter says, a people belonging to God, a people belonging to God. That's all part of the package of, of the gospel of Christ. The, the gospel is for our guilt and the gospel is for our shame. Isn't it interesting, too, I think of that passage, the people belonging to God, people that God calls having been set apart. So often we think of ourselves in the negative sense of having been set apart as being an outcast um, and so forth, and yet to understand that there is another type of being set apart, called by his name, paid for by his blood, where now all of a sudden we can understand that that being somebody different than the rest can actually be something very special. It's it, 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 it's it's amazing the way the scripture uses the same kind of words. Um, yeah, you're set apart. Now it's a set apart like you're okay. You're on the traveling baseball team. <laughs> now you're set apart. You're you're in this elite organization. Now you're set apart where you are absolute. You are the one who is known by name by the king. So. So it's a set apart, but it's a set apart that warms our soul and and says that we you know that here's here, here this seems to be the very hub of scripture where where the Lord says to us in Christ, "I am yours and you are mine. We are pe- people belonging to God. That's what we're set apart for. Ultimately, Ed, the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. For those that have been eavesdropping on our conversation this afternoon that say, boy, you guys have really nailed it, you are articulating exactly where I'm at, how do I begin getting on this road to understand that I can go from that sense of being an outsider, an outcast, to understanding what it means to take on the mantle of being set apart in his name? How does that process begin? I, I hate to seem self-aggrandizing and, and, and talk about my own book, but but that shame interrupted book is it, it's really looking at it's basically just looking at scripture, but looking at it through the question, what do I do with my shame, and, and just watching these beautiful words unfold. So, 
So, so that, you know, that can be sort of a, a coach, a friend, if you will, just to help people have eyes to see how Scripture does speak to shame over and over again. And, 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 and once, you, once you see it, once you're able to see those beautiful words, then you don't need the help as much, and you can just jump into Scripture and see them. But going back to, I think, what you said earlier, it's just allow that little, little nugget of hope to just settle in, okay? that, that maybe our God says things to our sense of disgrace and worthlessness that is much more than we ever imagined before, just to have that hope. That's what a great place to start that would be. Indeed so. And, and hope is, I think, an, an internal and, incorp- and important word uh, that can be a central starting point of our focus. You know, when blame shows up on the doorstep, uh, we're having that sense of shame. Uh, we feel like we're worthless. We've been rejected. We're outcast. Um, to begin to incorporate God's viewpoint on who we are uh, and to begin to see ourselves, not necessarily through how we perceive others see us, but rather how we should understand God sees us is the important difference when it comes to shame interrupted. The new book, by the way, which, as we mentioned before, um, is uh, published by New Growth Press, and uh, you can get more information online at newgrowthpressbookstore.com or through any Bay Area bookstore. And our thanks to best-selling author Ed Welsh for being with us tonight here. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.